Good morning, everyone. Let me make sure this chat is pulled up here. All right. All right. Let's let a couple folks jump on here. Community. I'll be ready here in just a second, I promise. Uh, copy. Okay, good morning. All right, so where do we begin this morning? First, we begin with a nice sip of coffee. Okie doke. So I thought this morning we would, um, there were a couple, a couple of, uh, questions in the, from the previous week, uh, from last, last Sunday morning. So I thought we would, uh, address some of those questions and let me jump to, I don't know where I even put that. I'm a little bit of a mess this morning. Slept in a little too late. All right. So, so yeah, last week we talked about talking to sellers. Um, this is a topic I think we can, we could probably fill every single Sunday morning, uh, especially for a lot of new folks. We could probably fill every, every Sunday morning with, uh, with talking to sellers. And so uh, one of the questions that we, well, there's a, there's a series of questions that we had, but, um, one of the one of the main uh, one of the main issues that a lot of people have is is I don't think when the people when a lot of people go in and talk to sellers they don't they don't talk they don't build the rapport that's necessary they don't build rapport with their sellers they they kind of they go in they have a you know particularly a lot of new people they'll go to an appointment and they are just uh, they're they're singularly focused on on getting a contract, getting, getting, you know, getting the property on a contract or, um, and they're, they're just not really, hold on one second here. They're just not really focused on the things that they need to be focused on, which is, which is building rapport. So I'm going to go through a series of questions here. These are four, four separate questions that I had, uh, from last week's, um, from last week's Q and a and, uh, you know, I can tell you that that this is the way that I handle these situations, um, but I I will tell you the over kind of kind of the um, the underlying problem rather with any of these questions is that there's not enough rapport being built. Okay, that's just how it is. That's just uh, you know I'm just going to lay it on the line there. That's exactly what is going on here. So so first before we even get to these questions. Uh, don't forget if you're watching this or if you watch this later on uh, on a replay and you like what's going on, like what we're talking about, go ahead and uh, if you would subscribe to the channel, give it a like, all that good stuff. I think most people know how to do that these days, so I'm not going to uh, to harp on it. But let's get into the questions here. So first, before we get into the before we get into those questions, let me 
let me just say that your strategy for talking to sellers is one where you are asking the questions. Okay. First of all, every question that a seller, uh, every question that a seller has for you is a tiny, it's like a, it's like a micro objection. Every question is an, an objection. So the way you handle that is you quickly answer that question, answer your seller's question, and then you immediately fire off your own, your own questions, right? That's just, um, that is what's, con that's controlling the conversation. All right. So how do you do that? How do you, you know, where do you come up with your questions? Well, no conversation. I mean, you could ask my wife this, no conversation that I've ever had either on the phone or, or even at an appointment has ever gone as planned. Never. I would sit and pace my floors when I'm, you know, if I'm on a seller call or something like that, I would sit and pace my floors. I would walk back and forth and, um, uh, I would have this whole pre-constructed conversation in my brain. But when I got on the phone, that conversation never happened that way. It, it never did ever. I, I can't remember one conversation where it went exactly as planned. So how you handle these calls and these appointments is that you have to have a framework for the appointment. You don't have to have the appointment entirely scripted out. And this is what took me so long to, to finally figure out is you have to have a framework. You have to have a, you know, when you go to a seller appointment, you have got to have a uh, steps that you take. So for instance, when I go to a seller appointment, I immediately, you know, I, I make my pleasantries. I, uh, you know, I knock on the door. I step back a couple, uh, you know, a couple feet uh, as to not be, uh, you know, kind of in their space. Um, but introduce yourself. You know, you're, and if you're, you're an independent person, you're not with a company. I prefer to go that route. I really like to be, uh, I don't like to, that would be what I would call faking it till you make it. You know, uh, I like to be very personable, uh, very upfront with my sellers, shake their hand and then ask them, you know, you're going to have a little bit of small talk there. Uh, ask them if they would take you to in our case, we go to the basement. We have basements in our uh, in our neck of the woods, and that's where all of the uh, all the the large utilities are taken. So that's where I start. So I have them walk me through the house, if at all possible. Uh, I don't really. I really like to have them kind of guide me guide me to where they want me to be, but I do like to start in the basement. So. Um, if you have a framework about how a specific um, specific steps on, on what you're going to do at each and every appointment, if you you're eventually just going to become much more comfortable with with a, with every single conversation. And so then you just start getting in your reps. So uh, that framework might look like kind of what I just told you, how we start off our conversations with our sellers at our sellers appointments. It's basically go up, knock on the door. Uh, Hi, I'm Jeff. Uh, I'm here to take a look at the house and uh, would you mind guiding me through the house and let's, let's talk about things. And, uh, and that's really it. It's just a framework. It's just, just steps. Like I said, you're never going to, your conversation is never going to go the way that you think it is. So let's jump into this first question. Um, and these are, again, these are objections is what they are. That's all there is to it. There's no, uh, uh, 
people are going to be very skeptical of you, especially if you come in as a, this is why I like to go in as an independent buyer. All right. I don't like to come in representing some big, some big company. Um, that's just my personal preference. I find that people that people get kind of scared, uh, you know, especially if they think that you are, aren't local, if you're not local, uh, it's going to be, it's, it's a tough thing to, to, uh, to approach. So, so the first question I had here is uh, a seller might ask you, what company do you work for and how I, how do I know it's legitimate? All right. So valid question because they are feeling, you know, they're not feeling, they're trying, they're trying to feel you out is what they're trying to do. And they're trying to, uh, to make sure that, you know, obviously they don't, they don't want to be scammed. And particularly, again, I'm going to, Kind of pick on wholesalers a little bit today, but uh, there's a lot of wholesalers out there that have that have burned other, you know, have burned uh, sellers, and so, um, you know, it's a tough business. Wholesaling is a dog eat dog business, and uh, there's just no no two ways about it. It is a cutthroat business. All right, so uh, some of these sellers may have been burned before, where you know maybe they've uh, put their Maybe they've signed a contract with a with a wholesaler and that wholesaler's left them high and dry. Hope that doesn't happen, but sometimes it just happens, you know. Uh, particularly, it's it's very common with new wholesalers that maybe don't know how to run those comps and and uh, you know really pull accurate values of these properties. So, so one of the ways to kind of get around this objection is, uh, first of all, you need to probably have an authority website built. Um, it's not a requirement, but it does it. What it does is allows them to go out and, and allows your seller to go out and look you up, look up your company, and and do kind of their own research on their own. Right? You can use a, a simple WordPress website. I think you know Google Sites is free. You could use Google Sites. Um, there are some CRMs obviously out there with built-in uh, built-in websites. We use, I, I use REI Black Book for mine. Um, Carrot has a bunch of sites. There's lead pages. There's all kinds of things you can, uh, all kinds of uh, webs, uh, site builders that you can use to build an authority site. And that's really all that you need. You know, it, does, it can even be one of these single page sites with very little, you know, you can maybe have an about section. You can have kind of what you do. It doesn't have to be super, super technical. Uh, just put... You're just going to um, you're just going to create a site that is uh, easy to read, tells everyone in the world exactly what you do, and that's it. Have some pictures, some videos. Uh, this is not going to be a lesson on how to build an authority site. But there's plenty of material out there that you can uh, that, you know that you can read and uh, uh, gain some knowledge on how to build these sites. So if you're still having uh, you're still having issues still getting presented with this question of what company do you work for? And how do I know it's legitimate? Um, I would recommend, especially if you're starting out, I don't actually use this anymore. I've kind of, um, I've perfected my, uh, perfected my, my spiel, right. But build a credibility kit. What, it, what does somebody who doesn't have any credibility do? You have to try and you have to try and build that. So you build a credibility kit. And so what I do, I should have, I should have uh, put one together for you here, but I didn't do that. 
Um, but I have a, a stack of folders that I had printed off of. I think I had them printed off of Vista Print or something like that. But it's a stack of folders. It's got my company name on the uh, on the front of the folder. And in that credibility kit, I will have um, I will have my agreements on the it's on the right side of the folder. So I have my agreements on the right side of the folder, which would be my purchase agreement. Uh, never I never try and keep that. I never try and keep any of my agreements, you know, secret or, or uh, I, I'm very, very transparent with my agreements. And that's another thing. If you're going to put agreements in your credibility kit, meaning you like your purchase agreement or uh, uh, maybe a, 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 I don't know, uh, an affidavit, something like that, property inspection forms. Um, if you're going to put those in your credibility kit, those have to be available. In fact, I leave my credibility kits with my sellers. If I don't happen to get that contract that day, I leave it with them so that they can go through each one of those agreements and, and pick it apart and ask me questions about it. So uh, on the right side of my folder, I have my purchase agreements. I have, you know, any, any addendums and these are all blank. None of these are filled out. Uh, I have a property inspection form, which is a big one, right? Cause if you're walking through a house and you're actually, you have a, a, uh, a property inspection template that you use on every property, you can go through and you can mark everything on that as you're walking through the house that is you can you can mark everything on that property inspection form that you find and you leave that entire credibility kit with your seller so they know they can see well these are the things that need to be addressed you know and maybe you don't get the maybe you don't get the contract that day but at least they know what you saw so uh, you need to be pretty thorough with that and then i put a business card um my folders have little slots, right? Um, where you can put a business card. So I put a business card in there. And then on the left side of the folder, I will put a proof of funds letter. If you have one, uh, I put a stack. So I will pull at least three sold comparables and I will, uh, I'll print those out before the appointment. I will staple each one of those individual comps together. Those go in the left-hand side. And then I jumped in Microsoft Publisher and I created a trifold brochure that basically it's kind of, kind of just mirrors what the website, uh, mirrors what the website says. Um, but yeah, those are, those are a, a quick credibility kit. There's plenty of, uh, plenty of information out there on how to build a credit credibility kit and what you put in. It doesn't have to be super crazy. That's what a lot of people, a lot of people think that their credibility kits need to be, um, you know, that they need to be like these professional, big, you know, orchestrated professional types of credibility kits, just not true. Um, simply showing up with a folder and, and being prepared uh, automatically, you know, automatically you have a little bit of credibility there. So, so what company do you work for and how do I know it's legitimate? Those are just a couple of ideas. Um, preferably, I would prefer to have that information, maybe make that a part of your phone call. Hey, you can go out to this website. You can go out to my website and kind of check out what we do. That way, when you get to the appointment, you don't even have to, you really not, you're not going to be dealing with that, that question. All right. All right. So the second question I got was, how did you get my number? So this would be uh, probably for you cold callers out there. 
And there's no way around this. You just got to be honest. Now, you know, obviously you want to be honest throughout this, you know, throughout your entire dealings with your seller. Okay. You want to be honest. That's just a given. Um, but being honest doesn't mean that you give away all of your, all of your information. It doesn't mean that you give them, you know, it doesn't, it, it's more about what you leave out than what you put in. So, so really the, the simple answer to this question is tell them you looked it up online. That's pretty easy. Not that hard to do. And if they ask where online, you know, there's plenty, you can just do a Google search for someone's name and there's going to be plenty. There's been verified, be plenty of results out there. Uh, been verified, true people search, all of those, uh, you know, all of those tools that, uh, that are free and, and all you have to do is use the Google to, to find it. All right. So that one's a real simple, uh, real simple answer to that question. All right. Here's a question that, um, let me make sure I'm not missing anything here. Okay. All right. So this is one that, uh, I constantly get bombarded with this question, but it's, can you show me proof that you can buy the house with cash? So this is automatically a, I automatically know this is a wholesaler. Uh, so I'll just tell you that I, we don't necessarily, uh, we don't necessarily make the promise that we, that we're going to buy with cash. We're creative investors. So, uh, so we use our, our motto. In fact, in our coaching program is think creative first. So we're always going to try and, uh, we are always going to try to to make the seller our financier first of all. That's the first thing we do. And so, uh, you know, if you're a wholesaler and you're advertising that you can buy a house with cash, then you might get this question: Show me proof. Show me proof of funds, basically, that you can buy with cash. I will tell you. I mean, I, 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 I at one point in my career, I thought I wanted to be, you know make wholesaling a, 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 uh, one of my primary sources of income. And I, I just didn't care for the, for the job. It was, it was literally, that was just too much like a job. So, um, but I can tell you that whether it was wholesaling or it was, you know, just going in as a, as your, your, your average buyer, I have never, ever been asked that question. Not one time, unless it's been by an agent. Agents will ask you that because that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what they're taught. Um, but if that's the case, if you are asked that question, uh, particularly by an agent, um, I, I don't know, you know, obviously you're going to have different sources of funding, but first of all, I'm up front. All right. I do not, I do not let my sellers think for an, for a, a second that these funds are, that this cash that's coming is coming from my personal bank account. I never tell them that ever. It's just, uh, it's just not, it, it, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure is what's happening. And, uh, it's just not a, um, it's just not honest. And I like to be honest. I like, I like to leave a seller appointment knowing uh, that I was honest and, and that, you know, I, I feel good on what I did, even if I don't get the deal. You know, sellers, sellers can see through a lot of your garbage. All right. So uh, just be honest with them. But 
So I will tell them, hey, look, you know, um, especially if it's an agent, they're going to understand this. I tell them that, hey, my funds come from private lenders. You know, it's really tough for me to ask a private lender for a copy of their bank statement. Right. I mean, and that's the truth. I have tons of private lenders, but I'm not going to go out and ask my private lenders for their bank statements. But I am going to let the the agent know or the seller know, hey, you know, look, I, you know, <laughs> I got to say this delicately, but I let them know that basically none of these so-called cash buyers, none of them, very, I won't say none, very, very few are actually using their own money. And a lot of folks are misre misrepresenting themselves by letting sellers know that they are they're using their own cash. And that's that's just not the way I like to do business. So I let them know up front that, you know, anybody that walks through this house, you probably bet that 90 to 95% of them are sourcing their funds outside of their own bank accounts, right? So, um, so yeah, I just like to be honest about it and be upfront about it. And like I said, a lot of my funds come from private lenders. So, uh, I just let them know that I can't, I can't go out and ask my private lenders, you know, Hey, can you send me a copy of your bank statement? It's just, I suppose you could do that. I don't do that, but, uh, that's just an odd, um, an odd conversation to have with a private lender. The real problem here though, is that your, your focus is on, like I said before, your focus is on getting the contract and, that's not where your focus should be. When you go to a seller appointment, your focus has to be on building trust and rapport. That's all there is to it. That's the reason I have never, ever been asked by a seller to show proof of funds. I've never been asked that question. And it's because I, I, I try and be personable. Uh, I try to um, get personal with them ask and ask really good questions. And like, I'm going to go back to, to last week's, uh, the last week's conversation, which is, you know, you, when you, when you go to this seller appointment, being, uh, building trust and rapport is, um, is just, that is what's going to get that contract. It's, it has nothing to do with, well, it has very little to do with what you're actually offering. People have to like you first. They must like you first. All right. If that's still a problem, if you've got, you know, you've built great rapport, uh, but again, maybe the seller has, uh, maybe the seller has been burned before. Maybe they uh, signed a contract with someone and, but they're, you know, they've been burned. So they may still ask you this question. So one thing, one thing you, uh, you might do here is, um, is go ahead, go ahead and get pre-qualified with a hard money lender, a local hard money lender, if you can. All right. You can even if you, uh, you know, if you like this, I've actually done this with a hard money lender, a local one here in my market. And I've actually written the letter myself. I've written a letter myself and and I reached out to a couple of hard money lenders. And I said, hey, you know, I've got the, I've got a letter here. I'd like to get pre-approved with you. Um, my sellers are asking for a pre-approval letter. Um, so would you mind? Um, would you mind signing off on this or, or can you give me some pointers on how to build this letter? And 
hard money lenders are just a great resource for just for a lot of a lot of things, particularly home values. They they you know they have personal skin in the game a lot of the time, and so uh, uh, they have a lot of value. Local hard money lenders do so. I would recommend getting pre-qualified through a local hard money lender. Now, I've never really had to use that uh, that letter, but um, unless you know, unless it was an agent, I did have a, I did I have had a couple agents that would ask for that. Like I said before, they that's what they're trained to do, and so um, it's best to be prepared. Um, so that I hope that helps with the show me proof of funds. Uh, type of question that you get. Uh, the next question I got was, what's your full name and company address? Well, again, I have found uh, in my market and just kind of the, the way I deal with sellers, I have found it much easier just to go in as an independent buyer. Now I may, you know, I may advertise depending on how, you know, I do, I run Google ads, I run TV, TV ads. So it may be, um, that they're expecting me to come in and be representing this company with this, you know, uh, all, all dressed up and, you know, have my logo and all that. I don't do any of that stuff. I go in as just a, a regular Joe, Joe buyer. That's really, that's really, it. I, I like to be, um, it allows me to get more personal with them. And, you know, somebody is going, if you're going to talk to a seller, it's going to be a whole lot easier to build trust and rapport if you're not representing a company and uh, that's just the way that I do it. That's the way that I, I look at that situation and it, it actually, it actually relieves me of a lot of pressure of having to build up all this credibility and everything. So, so the first thing I would recommend is, is going as an independent buyer. You're just someone, you know, you've got this, you know, you've got this company, uh, you, but you're, you're really just coming in as an independent buyer. Uh, it's going to, it's going to lift the pressure off you to represent that company. It's going to it's going to make them feel better. It's going to you're going to get you're going to be able to build that rapport a whole lot faster. All right. If if that doesn't suffice, then I would probably I would never give out my home home address. I don't do that in any situation. Um, but you can get like a, you can get a UPS box. I wouldn't get a PO box. You know, like from from the U.S. Postal Service. I would get a a UPS box and just give them that mailing address. I mean, it, I think it's probably, I think it's probably not that serious of a question. What's your full name and company address? Um, but also you can send them to your authority site. They can, they can find all this information out on your authority site. So yeah, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's that serious. What else? What else? We got any, uh, any questions going on here? Okay. If anybody has any questions, go ahead and dump it in the chat there and uh, be happy to, uh, I think you do. Yeah. You do have to be subscribed to ask questions, but uh, go ahead and dump it in the chat there and uh, we'll get your questions answered. What else have we got here? Let's take a look. Uh, hold on just one second. Let me add a couple of other questions here. Uh, hold on here. 
believe this individual's name was Brian. I'm not sure if he's on the call today, but um, question was asked. So we have we give away uh, we give a whole packet of contracts away, and they're they're basically uh, they're basically the ones that we get asked for the most that we just kind of packaged them up. You can find those out at Sub Two Empire, but uh, I don't even know how to say this word to be honest with you. Uh, but uh, the username was uh, Aberrant Art. Maybe I'm showing my ignorance. I, I really don't know what aberrant means, but hey, you do. So good for you. But um, but he asked, he said he just downloaded the documents on our website. So what's the difference between your agreement to sell and the purchase agreement? And when to use one versus the other? Okay. That could be a little confusing, I admit. But to answer your question, if you go out and download those documents, the purchase agreement is is on the buy side. When we're going out to buy a property, we have our purchase agreement, okay? The agreement to sell is what we call our, it, it is what um, we also call that our lock in our buyer agreement, lock in our buyer. Uh, so when we're, if we're doing a double closing, for example, we will use a purchase, we will use the purchase agreement to buy the property. And when we're, uh, if we're gonna sell that property and double close it, maybe we're just gonna flip it we will use uh, the agreement to sell. So that's uh, that's what those two, I know it's confusing. They look kind of, um, they look very similar, but if you read through those documents, you will see that there are some, uh, the purchase agreement is is constructed a whole lot differently from the uh, the agreement, our, our, our selling agreement, all right? And the second question you had was, what is uh, indemnification? and hold harmless agreement. Well, there's uh, there, indemnification and hold harmless are kind of two different, um, they mean two different things. An, indemnif an, an indemnification agreement is an agreement where there can be monitor, monitor, monetary, uh, you can be awarded monetary damages, okay? That is, that is generally, uh, that is generally the wording in an indemnification agreement. All right, hold harmless is uh, there are non-monetary, non-monetary. How can I say that this morning? Non-monetary compensation in a hold harmless agreement. So we just can kind of combine those both, and uh, just to let people know, you know, hey, you know, we can, uh, you know, you can't, you can't sue us. We can. Well, I won't say that. You can't you can sue us. I don't want to. I don't even want to get into the legal side of this, but um, just know that that's what that is. Indemnification is a uh, there. There can be monetary uh, awards, and hold harmless is generally a non-monetary award agreement. All right, that's all. That's all that it means. If you want to know more about that, go out and uh, use the Google and find that information out. All right. All right. Tatiana has a question about sub two. Can you go ahead and type that in the uh, in the chat there, Tatiana? I don't know how much of a delay there is. Let's see here. All right. She says, I have a duplex with inherited tenants. The lease agreement has a clause that the contract can be terminated when the property is sold. 
I didn't exercise this right when I bought the property. Now I really want to get rid of the tenant of a tenant whose lease is, is up in December, 2023. Well, that is a really great question. And first I do want to, uh, I want to make sure that you, you understand I'm not an attorney, uh, but, and this is all going to depend upon the state and the county that you're in because, um, uh, now you you're going to have state laws, state landlord tenant laws that every that every county has to comply with, but it it's sort of like you know they they don't necessarily for example, we had all this covid stuff, right? So we had uh, we have I have St. Louis County here, we have St. Louis City, which is not part of St. Louis County. And those two those two jurisdictions, those two municipal or well they be jurisdictions those two jurisdictions handle COVID very, very differently. So it doesn't mean that just because there's a state law that it's not interpreted by one county the same as it's interpreted by another. Okay, so the the real answer to that question is I would talk to an attorney about that. I'm sorry, to, I can't I can't really advise on that because I don't know uh, I don't know exactly where uh, where this is taking place, and I can really only speak uh, for for my market. And even then, um, there are nuances. So uh, I would I would talk to an attorney about that for sure. Uh, find a really good eviction attorney. The best way to to find a really good eviction attorney is, guess what? It's to show up to eviction court and find the attorneys that are that are just doing the most business. They're just you know they're they're rolling through and they're they've got case after case after case. That's the best eviction attorney you're gonna you're gonna find. Uh, other than that, probably uh, probably be word of mouth. Probably wouldn't Google uh, eviction attorneys, but uh, you know you can. But I know that seems like kind of a little bit of a cop out uh, answer, but I really can't answer that. Um, I can tell you in in my market in St. Louis that um, we are a, we're pretty landlord friendly, pretty landlord friendly state, and so. I don't want to say that we we can evict people for no reason because we can't, but uh, we do not have a problem if if a tenant does break their lease in any way, whether whether that be through non-payment or through destroying the property or whatever, we we can generally get around and 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 get a tenant evicted pretty quickly. Um, so again. Go ahead and check with your uh, with a local attorney there. All right. I I wanted to say again, not legal advice here, but you should still be able to if if what you're telling me is that the lease agreement can be terminated when the property is sold. It sounds like you have that option. It sounds like you have the ability. Doesn't really matter. I guess I don't understand that. She says, uh, Jeff, my question was, was about the sub two part. I guess I'm, I'm a little confused on this question. Are you, are you kind of are you saying that since you bought it sub two, you're, you're thinking, 
maybe, maybe I can piece this together. Are you thinking that since you bought it subject to that you might that there might be some kind of problem with that being considered a sale? Oh man, I'm really sorry. I don't I hope that's I hope maybe that's what it is. I'll just tell you that this is a sale. So don't even, you know, um, if your if your question is whether or not it would be considered a sale as to whether or not you can evict someone, then this is 100% a sale. If you truly bought it subject to where you are, you have taken title to the property, um, then yes, that is a sale. That would be, that would trip that, that clause in your contract. I hope, uh, I hope that answers your question. Can you give me a, can me a thumbs up or a yes or a no? And let me know if that was the, if that's kind of where you were headed on that. There we go. Good deal. Perfect. So yes, that makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, yes, this is absolutely a sale. And uh, in fact, you may know this already, but you can look on line 203 or line 503 on a HUD-1 settlement statement. And you can see that you will be able to find uh, 203 is going to be the seller side of the, of the HUD-1. 503 would be the buyer side. There are provisions for buying houses subject to for buying and selling subject to. So this is a sale. Titles changing hands, you're good to go. All right. All right, I'm going to give anybody else that has a uh, that has a question give you about 10 or 15 seconds here if you want to jump in, go right ahead. I think that was all of the questions that we had here. All right, guys, I think that's going to be it today. Um, if there's no other questions, then I'm going to go ahead and end it. Just a quick reminder, if um, uh, if you're visiting the channel, you're not subscribed, please go ahead and go down, uh, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. We're going to do these every Sunday morning. So, um, you know, I, I get a kick out of it. I like doing it. And um, you know, I'm going to continue to do it. I just like to talk. I like talking about this stuff. So, um also, if you have not joined our private community yet, there is a link in the description of this video. It's a bio link, uh, but we've kind of we're kind of trying to take people off of get our people out of uh, the, the the public domains like Facebook and, and things like that and get them into private. Problem problems that we have with Facebook are that we have to really, really monitor what anybody says inside that inside our group. I mean, they'll shut our group down like that and. Uh, and it's very, very hard to get those turned back on. You generally have to, uh, if somebody posts something in there that's that's controversial or, or uh, you know, or uh, offensive, or uh, we just don't have those problems in the private community. So if you go to community.sub2empire.com, you can sign up there. Um, and also, we I've decided I think we're just going to we're just going to stick with the it gets too complicated. Uh, I'm trying to uh, trying to get some of the uh, the complication out of out of my life. And uh, I'm just going to stick with uh, stick with YouTube on these streams. 
it's a it's one of the easier things to do and i can post those uh you know we can post those links everywhere so post links to these lives so all right folks that's it i appreciate it enjoy your sunday have a good one we'll see you next week all right take care <laughs>